It's another episode of Pod 9 from Outer Space. Cue the music! Okay, so I don't know why I always start like that, but I picked this one, which is probably the shortest amount of time between film coming out and watching that we've done so far. Yeah. Because it's from last year. It is. Just just one year ago, the world was a very different place. Daniel Radcliffe's, or Daniel's Radcliffe, were free to roam the streets unimpeded but we've put a stop to that we've ended the menace (laughs) so you can probably guess from the title of the podcast or of the episode at least rather uh, we watched Guns Akimbo which does indeed star Daniel Radcliffe and also Samara Weaving who is very good yes So the general gist, it's a dystopian future, obviously, and there's some sort of secretive organisation running what can only be described as murder games. Yeah. There's two people and they have to kill each other. Yeah, it's very, and, very simple. Yeah, like that. and thousands of people tune in to watch. And Daniel Radcliffe has the hobby of trolling the trolls, as he puts it in an American accent. Hmm. Which I can only describe as adequate. Like, it doesn't... It just, yeah, sounds incredibly average to me. But, I mean, that's probably what they were going for, just kind of, this is a very average man. Yeah. He's, he he does coding, but not for anything particularly exciting as his regular job. I, I enjoyed that. I figures apart from the whole, um, you know, snuff films but on Twitch thingamy, um, it's quite an ordinary world, really. Mm. It's just, yeah, this... This guy is, yeah, very much an, an everyman, but slightly, slightly um, nerdy. He's got some action figures, but it's the kind of level you expect of a of a programmer. Really. Yeah, like it's not a dark and terrible dystopian future. It's a future in which this one really terrible thing is happening. Yeah, um, which is honestly a lot easier to suspend your disbelief for Mm. than for a full-on dystopia. Like, I know we are getting very close to living in a dystopia at this point, but it's just easier to have it like, it's now, but, or rather, it's a little bit later and this one thing is different as opposed to it's a little bit later and everything has changed. Yeah. Uh, that definitely works, and there was one one detail I really enjoyed was that the job he was able to get was programming for one of one of those um, kind of free to play mobile games. Yeah, that, like a Candy Crush thing. Yeah, that properly ends up draining your wallet 
because you just want to buy the extra things to to get ahead. Because by this by the sounds of it, stuff like um, stuff like that is they're always always hiring and always um, expanding because it's basically gambling where you can only lose money. Yeah. So great business model there. I like. Apart from that one woman that got to the end of Candy Crush without buying anything, I've no idea of anything about her apart from this, but I remember it being a thing. I hope she's doing well. So yeah, um, he trolls the trolls too much, and the people that run this game, which is called Schism, mm. but spell S-K-I-Z-M, because yeah. they're cool. It's, um, it's definitely but, believable, like, the kind of people who yeah. are into that would spell it like that. Yeah, they break into his apartment and nail guns to his hands hmm. and tell him, okay, it's now you against the reigning champion, Nyx, who is played by Samara Weaving, and we've already seen completely destroy a guy. Hmm. Like, she is hardcore. Yeah. Um, you have 24 hours. If you try and leave town, we'll kill you. Good luck. Yeah. It's, um... Golly. Yeah. It's kind of... You can see why we picked watching this. It sounds so bad. So, so, so much and so bad. It's, it is so much. It's... The way the way I can describe it is is one of those films that feels like a comic book movie, but not in the not in like the Marvel or even DC sense, but in the kind of this was a weird comic book that somebody um, somebody picked up. But for all I know, it isn't. No, it's just its own thing. Yeah, it's just, it's got that vibe, that aesthetic. Um, we should say it's written and directed by Jason Lee Howden. Because we we tend to say who things were written and directed by. Previously known for Deathgasm, I think. <sighs> Which we won't get into. No. Um, also, Reese Darby is in this. Yes, it's very good. Who is probably mostly known as a werewolf from the What We Do in the Shadows movie and that guy in the Jumanji movies and he just plays this random homeless guy that Danny Radcliffe's character comes across. Um, I think he's called Miles, Danny Radcliffe's character? Yeah. Um, and you think that he's that Reese Darby's going to be this like um, you know weird homeless mentor kind of guy, which mm. would be very much a Reese Darby character, but instead he's just a weird regular homeless guy. Yeah. And like, I adore Reese Darby in all things, and he is very good in this. I know he's very minor. Yeah. But I love him. Will, so I'm bringing him up. I will defend him with my life and my knife. I don't have a knife. It's just my life. Just with my life. Got kitchen knives. Yeah. 
Oh, I'll cook him a nice meal. <laughs> Keep him all fed and warm. <laughs> it's okay. He's not. Re he's not really a, a random weird homeless guy. I'm just. I'm just saying. You know, protect our character actors. That is true. They tend to get the short end of the stick. Yeah. Which now I think about it is a weird phrase. How could one end be shorter than the other? Anyway. Anyway. I don't know what my anyway is. Anyway. Um Yeah, the, we were talking a little bit about the tone of the film, which is it's it's an odd one because I didn't expect to like it because it's a very very kind of brash thing. Mm. Lot of real high energy camera movement, lots of full on flips of the camera. Yeah. And neon and pumping music. Yeah, it's it's a bit Guardians of the Galaxy in terms of just if there's a fight there will be a well known song playing over the top of it. Yeah. And sometimes I was down with that. Sometimes less so. Yeah, um, some of the choices were odd. Yeah. Like, there was Ballroom Blitz, obviously. Mm. But there were some less clear why they chose them ones. Yeah, they had... On a couple of different scenes, I think, they had You Spin Me Right Round. That seemed to be sort of... Yeah, one of the, th the kind of uh, schism themes. Yeah, like they did, they did seem to be... That's the song that plays when the main schism guy is fighting someone. Hmm. That was that was okay. It kind of kind of fitted, but it fitted the first time, mm. not so much the second time. I feel like it could have done with more of an original score. Hmm. Because it feel it feels like a. There's some moments where it feels that like there's too many nods and winks at the camera. Yeah. I think too many films really use sort of... I don't know how to phrase it, just general music mm. in their soundtrack rather than, like, scores. Yeah. Because I don't mind if there's, like, there's one or two scenes that have a song on them that fits. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time it seems to be just we didn't want to hire a composer. Yeah, it's... I feel like if you're going to do that, you need to do a whole lot more with it. Yeah. Like Gardens of the Galaxy does, where it's tied into the actual plot of it, and the songs always fit. Yeah. I was thinking of... Because um... it's, it's largely diegetic, isn't it, in Gardens of the Galaxy? Yeah. Which makes it work better. Yeah, that, that's all fine. It's just, here's, um, you know, here's something that explains why this character is the way he is in mm. his first appearance as, as an adult. Um, it's, a, it's a guy who's just like, I'm in space, This isn't this cool? I'm on an adventure. Whereas in this, it, it is very much just kind of... This fight would have been better with just some instrumental stuff over it. Yeah. Yeah, if they'd put in more 
um, more of an original score and toned down some of the wacky aspects, mm. especially especially how um, some of the internet talk kind of got it was dated. Yeah, but in a very weird way. So there was like, um, so I'm pretty sure this is this was near future, as I said. Yeah. So it's near future. And someone who spends all of their time on forums and in comment sections, not knowing some very basic, like, internet slang. The main one, unfortunately, containing a swear, so I'm not going to say it. Um, but it it rhymes with duck boy. But he didn't know what that was, which makes no sense for his character. Toy. Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. Samara Weaving calls Daniel Radcliffe a duck toy, and he has no idea what that means despite basically living in comment sections. Yeah, and I think there was maybe a character may have said fail at one point. Yeah, that one was very dated. It's it's weird because it's a film that is aware of like YouTubers and Twitch streamers. It's very much inspired by yeah that it's world. basically like it it started out we were watching it basically going is this just black mirror the movie where twitch goes too far yeah it felt like that and that's that's fine it's not hugely inspired why came to it for was just daniel radcliffe with guns nailed to his hands that's a good thing in and of itself yeah but and the like, the general concept seems fairly neutral yeah you know, I'm fine with people making movies about the internet going too far because, you know, it's serviceable mm. as a as a concept. It's it's kind of the modern day, um, you know, hitchhiker. It's just what you use. And you know, Toronto International Film Festival apparently liked it. Yeah, it's, it's a very film festival kind of concept. Ooh, got into a tiff. Okay. Yeah, but. With the, um, yeah, that, so it's got the kind of very contemporary, you know, YouTuber, Twitch kind of thing, and then somebody out of nowhere will say something like fail, and then I feel like I'm being brought back to the past a little bit. Yeah, what they should have done is put Fs in the chat. Mm. It feel it felt very epic bacon. It's, half of this was, um... You know, half of this film was written by somebody with. It feels like it feels almost like half the film was written by somebody with an awareness of um, of the internet in 2019, 2020, and the other half felt like it was written by the guy who makes the oatmeal. Despite the fact that it was written by one person, mm. you get the impression that it would have worked if it had come out like four years earlier. Yeah. But then it would just have dated very quickly. Yeah. Whereas now it's already dated and therefore will not date in a weird roundabout way. Yeah. Hi, I'm Hazel and I make a podcast with Liz called Bread and Thread, which you might enjoy if you are a fan of food or clothes or other interesting parts of domestic history. We find out interesting facts about things like regional foods, ancient breeds of sheep, 
um, pretty much anything domestic history. So if you'd like to know why it's illegal to import a sheep into Iceland and what was presented by Queen Victoria to Harriet Tubman, then you might want to check out Bread and Thread. Find us at Bread and Thread on Twitter or find us everywhere podcasts exist. <laughs> Hello, I'm Mod, I'm Mod Paper from Probably Bad RPG Ideas, and we have a podcast. If you'd like to hear RPG advice on how to use assorted incredibly bad ideas as actual ideas in an actual game, then listen to the Probably Bad podcast, available on pretty much every podcatcher. And remember to have a probably bad day. I think the thing is, it. what I'm thinking happened is it's an idea, it's one of those ideas you have before you can do anything about it. It's very much one of those, hey, wouldn't it be weird if things, mm. which is fine and great. Then it's it's a script that sits in the drawer for a while, and maybe you spruce it up a little bit, but you don't necessarily get to all those lines where somebody says something that really doesn't fit. Which especially makes sense if he's not big in sort of watching streams and things himself, which is entirely likely. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's an odd, it's not mish mishmash, I think. Mm. But like overall, I think it does work. It does, it does work. Yeah. I, one thing I appreciated was they kept the character relatively um, consistent in his direction of travel. Like Miles was very much. Not happy with having guns on him, not happy with shooting them for for most of it, and it was a very gradual s series of baby steps towards him being able to shoot yeah, someone. Yeah, it's kind of you go from I won't to I accidentally did mm. to I kind of have to to save my life to okay, we're doing this. Yeah, it feels it feels good because otherwise um, it could have. He could have ceased to be a character uh, and a person and just become... A gun puppet. Yeah, become a gun puppet, exactly. No one wants to be a gun puppet. Can we talk about Natasha Lubodizzo, who plays Nova, yes. Miles's wonderful ex? Oh yeah, yeah we can. Because I really love Nova's character and... Just the way that Budazo plays her is wonderful. Because mm. she's basically, you know, it was an amicable, uh, it was an amicable breakup. They're still friends. They're going to work on this this new project because she's also a very techie person. Yeah. And Miles immediately goes to her for help, and she's just like, "Okay, this is happening," and she tries to help, and. Gets kidnapped, but is not a damsel in distress. No. Like, she's very much like, okay, and you've got me now what kind of thing. Yeah. And then Miles saves her, and this is, because it's, it's done, but, like, there's a voiceover. There's a beautiful line about how seeing your ex kill someone 
doesn't make you want to run over and get down with them. It gives you PTSD and she runs away. Which is correct. Yeah. But just... Bordizzo's face acting in that scene is phenomenal. Oh yeah. Like, can we give her an awards just for her face? Yeah. Um, this is... MVP of the film. Yeah. We're giving out the first Pod9 Podtastic Award for face acting. <laughs> which is the only one in the world and it's going to her. So that's quite an honour. So what did we learn from this film? Personally, I learned not to be a gun puppet. Cocaine gives you superpowers. Oh yeah! Because there's that one scene where someone drops some cocaine and Nyx is hurt and she crawls over and she has like she can't have been able to get that much, but then she's like, "Oh, let's do this." Yep, and it's basically fine for the rest of the film. Exactly, it's you know, it's like uh, gamma radiation or being rich. Really helps. Where does this film fit on the camp scale? Because, you know, it has a lot of stuff that would not be described as campy, mm. but also has, you have 24 hours to X, yeah, and a voiceover, mm. and ends with the events of the film being put into fiction. Okay, so it's, it's three of those little, um, little single-person pop-up tents. There's basically, you, you bring it to a festival when you're going alone and you definitely cannot be bothered with anything fancier. You just stick it down there, boom, it's done. Okay. Because it feels like those camp elements were... They're just kind of done to, to get things moving. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the... And then Nova wrote a comic book about Miles feels very much like we had to end it somehow. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's a shame that what was really fun and could have gone up to the standards of um, Radcliffe's Swiss Army Man, which, you We know, need to cover Swiss Army Man. Yeah, it, it took an odd concept and turned it into something genuinely touching and genuinely good. Mm. It's brought down, I think, by this need to bring in these very conventional plot elements, the and just narrative elements. Just yeah, the, the voiceover, the the twelve-hour hour stuff, the comic book thing. It's there's some hacky moves, mm. and I shouldn't be hugely surprised. It's a fairly new director, but. I feel like if you can already get the funding for a film called Guns Akimbo about a guy with guns on his on his hands, you can put in some more effort. Yeah, you can do do a little bit more with that. Make it like Octodad. 
So you're saying Daniel Radcliffe should have been just a regular human guy who definitely did not have guns on his hands. Exactly. And there's this one chef that wants to eat him. <laughs> Played by Matt Mixon. Copyright me, 2020. Nobody steal this. I am writing the Daniel Radcliffe Octodad Guns Akimbo crossover we need. I would love an Octodad movie. Yeah, me too. So, on that note, thank you so much for for listening and for continuing to listen. Um, if you do want to support us, we have a Kofi. It's uh, Pod9. That's P O D N I N E. And do you know what we're watching next time, Nick? I have no earthly idea. I'm very excited, and we will be back with you next week. Oh yes, we will never leave you. Even when everyone else does. If we never leave, how can we be back? Quiet, you.